welcome to another episode of the Madam's Cast. Oh, once again, I'm very excited to be talking to you, and I'm super excited about this guest because we have been like ships in the night. We have passed each other on various occasions at food festivals. She's been there one day, I've been there the next. She swims in a very different world of food to mine, but they're interconnected. And so I'm very excited to talk to Naomi Devlin and find out what makes her tick because I think we probably share some some interests and some goals in our foodie lives um, and I'm interested to hear about her story and massively interested to find out about what three things she would like to change about the world of food and hear a little bit about her podcast as well. So Naomi Devlin, are you there? Yes I am, hi. Oh, it was just a momentary pause there caused by the internet that made me think, oh no, she's not. <laughs> she's gone. She's gone. <laughs> no, welcome, I'm... welcome. Uh, and interestingly, the internet did go down just before I uh, we started this conversation. I was scrabbling around madly going, oh my God, how do you do this without the internet? Anyway, well, I'm here. Fingers crossed. Well, we, sh- we should probably point out to temporarily sort of pin us to the map, as it were, that um, we're recording this in the aftermath of Storm Arwen, who has basically flattened North East Scotland. I don't know what she did uh, to, to Devon and Dorset, but um, yeah, I mean, technical issues have abounded for the last couple mm. of days while the, the thin veneer of human management has tried to scrabble its technology back together after it's been humbled by nature. We got off lightly, I think. Yeah, no, I think you really felt the brunt of it. Uh, did it put you off your swimming? Because I know uh, a little birdie told me that you're one of these, I won't say slightly crazy, I will say brave and intimidating folk who go swimming in the sea at the crack of dawn. Well, interestingly, it was because of where we are, it was the north wind. And that's probably why it was so intense in Scotland. But here, when you get a north wind, you get a, you get icy, icy cold weather, but flat seas. And so, and there was one day actually that I did go swimming during the storm, uh, and people were like, "Oh, I can't believe you're going in the sea!" But actually, it was completely flat apart from the chop on the surface. But uh, I was a bit worried that I was going to get blown out to France, so I did kind of stay close to the shore. And that was—I've never experienced that actually. I think it was fifty mile an hour winds you know from the north but a completely flat sea so yeah I, if it was from the south I definitely wouldn't have been going in <laughs> <laughs> well you might not have had a choice of course uh, do you live in in uh, you Bridport kind of area is that yeah you? I'm in Bridport yeah yeah in nice. a house we built ourselves wow that's cool we're just about to embark on a building project and one of my best friends slash favorite chefs uh is is the cook at Dorshi oh yes god Dorshi is beautiful food really lovely oh, that's nice. shout Dorshi out let's give yeah. them a shout um, I, I, if I'm coming back at any point to Bridport from northeast Scotland then that's definitely where I'm going for my for my supper yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't wait to be there um Naomi can you I do this to all my guests and they all hate it um and so I'm sure you'll hate it too but can you give us a little potted history of Naomi just so that the avid and regular listeners to the Madam's cast get a feeling a sort of a vibe as to why I'm talking to you because sometimes it's quite obvious you might be a fish farmer sometimes it's quite obvious you might be now you're reasonably obvious you're a food author but uh, I think 
that you're not that well known outside of your area. It's a little bit like everyone thinks of me as Tim the Game Chef because I wrote a book about that once. And actually, I know there'll be a lot more to you, but mm. you have a speciality involving gut health, I think. And so I want to hear from you about that. But I think perhaps a little bit of a broader view for everyone else would be wicked. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So my specialities are gluten-free and gut health. And they really came from my own experience of having, I have celiac disease. And as a result of being diagnosed with that, I had to kind of heal my own gut. Um, and just to go right back, I, uh, so I grew, I was born in Ireland. We came over here and my parents split up and then they moved uh, one, my mum moved to a commune, which is just down the road, actually, on the way to River Cottage. And Moncton Wild? Moncton Wild, yeah. There you go. Um, and so that's where I grew up. Well, I, from 11 to 19, I was there. And so that's what I kind of consider as being formative, particularly with food. So that, because we grew all our own food and, you know, I milked cows and I looked after the chickens and and all of that was kind of that experience of, uh, growing up really connected to where food comes from and so I think I took that forward and when I went away to university I went away to study oh and I was home educated as well when I was at the commune and I went away to study costume design and as a part of that kind of whole experience I got quite sick uh, because of the way that we work in fact it's probably quite like the way chefs work which is just insane hours and possibly dabbling in class A's and that those things are um, really undermining for your body and, and so I ended up uh, developing celiac disease and also kind of dropping out of I was then working in fashion dropping out of that world and getting into nutrition and so I, I retrained as a nutritionist and it was, it's almost like one of those times when you do what you need in order, you learn what you need in order to heal yourself. And so I was learning all this stuff and realizing, oh my God, this is me, this is me. I'm, I'm really not well, I'm not myself. Because when I grew up, I was so robust and so kind of, yeah, like connected to the seasons and the land and all of that and I had just totally lost it and so part of my journey to get back to where I am now was rediscovering all of that and so I rediscovered fermentation and uh, uh, seasonality and foraging and making my own sourdough bread which I make gluten-free and so all of that I guess is my kind of USP if you like what makes me different from maybe other gluten-free chefs is that I'm coming from a place of trying to make totally real food that is connected to the land. Are you there? Oh yeah I'm here don't worry don't worry I lost you uh but not for very long and the recording's still rolling so that's a that's an easy fix and these these things happen I mean this, we're living in a non-perfect world um and you know when that connection drops out we'll just put a bit of music in and it'll yeah. be fine don't don't worry don't worry i can still oh, see I've... it's recorded so, <laughs> so <laughs> you will have it in some form oh i wonder if that was my internet i don't know i think it was because i got a sort of dialect kind of noise like oh. which normally happens when some some bandwidth somewhere gets narrowed so don't worry about the technicalities of that i was i was lost listening to your you've got a lot of energy and you were pouring it out uh, across the internet to me and oh. about you know, how you got to where you were. And I was thinking, I'm going to have to interrupt Naomi at some point. I hope there's a natural way I can do it. And then 
the dialects of the internet did it for me anyway. So, <laughs> so that was fine. So bring us up to date. What are you doing now? What what where where will we find you at the at the coalface, if you like? Yeah. So now what? So I have been teaching for many years at cookery schools. So River Cottage, Ashburton Cookery School, Divertimenti, uh, wow. and also running my own courses. So about uh, I guess about twelve years ago, I I moved from just being a nutritionist into starting to teach people and the reason that that kind of came about is because I realized that I kept saying to people oh so what you want to do is to make a really nice broth and then do this or you want to be eating more sauerkraut and they were like oh I have no idea how to make any of those things and so I just started teaching them and then what I found which is you can probably tell is that I really like talking and teaching and actually I really love sharing knowledge with people and it was much better for me to teach people how to do stuff than have them come and sit with me and tell me all their kind of problems and about their hemorrhoids and whatever and for me to try and fix them because I didn't like that responsibility and so what I really love is saying hey you can do all this and this and this and then people get on and do it or or don't do it and it's then their choice and I'm not responsible for them and so what I love is teaching and over uh, the whole pandemic I went online and and set up um, a a gluten-free ostensibly gluten-free cookery school Uh, but it has some fermentation in there and you know various other bits and it's been incredible because it's allowed me to reach out across the world and I have students now all around the world and it's been an an amazing community so that's what I'm doing now oh fantastic well that's you know I often ask people for a potted history of them at the start of the madam's cast and then I sort of struggle to get things out of them or or it's a bit sort of there's a there's a there's an undertone of of you know discreet management of where that's all going and and all we've had from you is a brilliant outpouring of loads of stuff so that's (laughs) fantastic so just 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 quickly for anyone listening, and obviously I'll stick up the links in the show notes, peeps. You know, I know what I'm doing, uh, ish. On that <laughs> um, but can you tell us how do we, if we want to find out what you're doing and follow you? You're on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, so I'm not on Twitter. No, okay. I only do Instagram now. Uh, I've oh. gradually shaved away all my social media channels, and Instagram is the one. It's it's such a beautiful place, whereas a lot. Of other social medias aren't so I'm Naomi Ann Devlin and with an e annoyingly there's another Naomi Devlin out there who got there first I can't believe it and uh, (laughs) (laughs) and you can look up so my my gluten-free cookery school is it's the Thinkific cookery school and so it's the the gluten-free baking school on Thinkific or naomidevlin.co.uk Brilliant. That's it. We've nailed you. Or early morning, Bridport Beach, West Bay. For sure. At <laughs> 7am, 7, 7 you'll find me there, just pre-dawn. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. excellent. Um, fantastic. So, Naomi, without further ado, can I invite you to step through the personalised vortex of global change that I've built here in my, uh, in my bed- I'm in my bedroom today, at, sitting at my wife's dressing table because... Caroline is downstairs running um, uh, running project management scenarios for an important 
<laughs> arm's length governmental job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm up here faffing about with my own little project. Um, but that has meant that, I, I, that I'm not allowed to use the nice comfy office uh, because she's got calls. So we're up here. I hope you don't mind being in my bedroom. There's nothing awkward about that. I don't. Um, there's nothing awkward unless you make it awkward. <laughs> no, it's not going to be awkward. It's definitely not going to be awkward. Um, and uh, so what I wanted to do is imagine, so imagine, if you will, uh, a, a sort of uh, a mock-up sci-fi shower cubicle uh, and you go in there and it's going to teleport you through into a world in which you have three magic buttons to change anything you like about the world of food. Now, that is a broad remit. I understand that. Yeah. But that's your remit for today. And you can be as funny and flippant with that as you like. You can be as deep and, and sensitive about it as you want. Obviously, I've got a, a sort of idea where I think you might go. But where I am, I'm. If you if you imagine that I'm with you, I've come through the portal with you. I'm basically your guide, and I'm making sure that you don't change more than three things because people can be a bit naughty and try and sneak things through with their changes. Yeah, no. So um, I am here to adjudicate, and I'll attempt to argue with you in a sort of quasi journalistic fashion. <laughs> Again, I generally give up because I mostly agree, um, but I'll, I'll do the best I can to play devil's advocate and, and throw a few thorny tacks in in the road of life. Uh, ahead of you okay so um are you ready are you ready i'm ready okay step through the vortex i wasn't sure if you're going to make noises then (laughs) 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 where where the uh the genie always makes the noise of appearing out of the bottle Um, oh i was i was going more wayne's world but (laughs) good 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 noises okay i'm here excellent you're in so I would, my first thing that I would like to change, or I guess the thing that bothers me the most about modern food is highly processed food. And this is probably, I've just looked at my my three kind of things that I want to change and they're really earnest. <laughs> so I'm coming, I'm going to go for the earnest rather than flippant. But, that's okay that's okay that's yeah. totally fine it's your choices that's yeah. the beauty of it but this is i am quite earnest i guess really but i really struggle with uh food and i've done quite a bit of uh food um development for manufacturers and there's this kind of process you go through where they say okay we want you to make this wonderful whatever it is and and you go okay i'm going to make this and you make it in your kitchen as as though from scratch and it's normal food <laughs> and then you yeah, yeah, take yeah. it into them and they go oh, okay so uh that's not shelf stable and um so we're going to need to put this strange fat in here and we need it to have slightly less maybe less calories so we're going to take out this and then we're going to put in this emulsifier to get it and oh. and and that whole process of going from what essentially is just real food it might you know it might even be a cake you know it's not like it's all health food but it's still real food and our bodies know what to do with it to this kind of franken food and that i think my problem and from having been like behind the the wizard of oz's curtain is that a lot of people don't know what those processes are and so it's like the insidious nature of uh of the stuff that goes on with modern food the the, high, the processing, the emulsifiers, the starches, the modifications, that all of those things, I think, are mostly unnecessary and that people are just getting more and more used to food that feels 
weird you know over over processed and yeah. and forgetting the things that are chewy and brown and and equally delicious but in a very different way yeah wow uh, i got my own bugbear with that one and that <laughs> is um listen i defend anyone's right fiercely actually defend anyone's right to choose what they eat based on their own thoughtful processes Mm. Uh, even if I completely disagree with them mm. at least they've thought about it brilliant go for that love that but I am seriously worried uh, about I've got this theory um, uh, that that multiple retailers cannot wait to get rid of meat in their sale lines right mm. so they are massively behind the neo-veganism movement which has uh, um, sort of espoused some of the philosophy of environmentalism Mm. Uh, in some in some ways correctly and in some ways incorrectly but that's okay there's faults with everyone's decision making that's fine um and they want to replace that with this long life meat substitute mm. manufactured protein stuff um which i don't know enough about to understand it fully and they cannot wait to do that because handling meat is expensive and costly and there's lots of regulation around it and it's yada yada blah blah blah, blah mm. you know, short shelf life etc cetera, etc cetera. so having knackered the meat industry <laughs> over a course of 30 years they're then going to abandon it mm. and 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 use a sort of veneer of uh, moral ethics to kind of tell us all that we shouldn't be eating meat in the first place and and replace that with this manufactured stuff and I worry about how they make it. So can you give me an example, like a specific example of uh, an ingredient that you would say, this is definitely something that you always find in processed alternative foods that we could really live without. It's bad for our gut. Yeah, so I would say uh, methyl cellulose is the one that bothers me the most and carrageenan. So let's say both of those. Uh, is, is that just seaweed? Fire. Is it Caribbean seaweed? Caribbean, so Caribbean moss is the seaweed oh, that okay. you get. There's lots and lots of it off Ireland, and uh, and that's as we all know, seaweed is good for you. If you can eat more seaweed, then fantastic. But seaweed processed into a, a kind of alginate that is then used to emulsify is completely different. It's like the difference between willow bark and and salicylic acid used to make aspirin that uh -huh. that we know that that once you refine things to a certain extent that that they have side effects and so food with side effects i think is problematic so methacellulose and carrageenan uh, carrageenan not carrageenan moss carrageenan what they do is they actually um they change the way that your gut microbes act and they can also uh, reduce uh, or even punch out kind of sections of the mucus lining of your gut. And so that means that and the irony is that it's often in alternative stuff that people with dodgy guts are choosing because they can't have dairy or they can't have gluten or whatever it is. And so it's like they're, they're then on this vicious cycle of eating food that actively makes their condition worse. And it's like you know, like with the, the kind of vegan meat substitute, that you've then got these people captive because they're, they're not going to get any better. They're not going to get better and then find that they can just make their own sourdough out of buckwheat or whatever. They're, they're stuck thinking, oh, I can only eat this stuff. And it's making them worse. God, oh, right. Okay, now two things. One, have you got the E number for those two things? Because people never know, you oh, know, God, it might not no. say what they are. No, okay, I'm going to look them up. No, usually they're listed as carrageenan. Oh, are they? 
okay. yeah, and and methyl cellulose. Uh, okay, and fine. they will have an E number, but I, I mean, I could Google it now for you. No, 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 no. I can look it up. I can find it. If it's going, it's probably in the ingredients list anyway. That's fine. Yeah. So, and then, and then, because I'm going to play devil's advocate here, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try my best. I've got my devil's advocate <laughs> it's a hat. <laughs> it is a tough one, uh, particularly as I don't believe in it. But um, <clears throat> okay, that's all very well for you to say, Naomi. Okay, but I've got a dairy intolerance, and I've only got time to shop at the supermarket. And I need to buy my dairy-free cake so that I can feel good about myself when it's cake time and everyone else is having cake. So <laughs> stop being so selfish. We haven't all got time to fish fish the seaweed process out of our food. What, what are you going to say about that, Naomi? Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, I understand that cake is a necessary part of life for many people. And I guess my point would be that absolutely it's your choice and you can make the choice to eat food containing methyl cellulose or carrageenan but I want you to know it's like maybe I would like to have a little warning like you get on cigarette packets <laughs> saying this may cause you to have irreparable damage to your gut lining if you saw that on foods that contain those things you know to to say this is a nice cake and it's got no dairy in and you go oh that's great but it may also damage your gut lining and you're going okay now, that's and that's like you know the the kind of choice you might make about having a, a, a glass of vodka or whatever you know that you say okay I know vodka is not good for my health but I really want to feel drunk so that's the you know that's the kind of thing I'm I'm tossing up in my mind and I think that people don't have that information on those foods and so they they aren't making a real decision so you're not making a real decision about your cake. Oh, you lost me again. I lost you just for a second. So real decision about your cake is where I lost you. Oh, okay. No, I did stop. Oh, that was it. Oh, great. So you just stopped. Yeah, Fine. yeah I gave uh, you a sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't lose you. It wasn't a dodgy internet connection. Because in, <laughs> yeah, no. we sometimes we have sometimes have trouble projecting the internet signal through the vortex to the alternative reality. Yeah. So, you know, the, the buffers um, can be a bit of a problem. Okay, <laughs> right. Well, look, I mean, well answered, well answered, well backed up. I'm totally with you. I um, I like to hijack people's points a little bit, which I've kind of already done with the, with the neo-vegan whinge about processed. Oh, no, I'm totally on board with that. Non-meats there. But yeah. I, think, I think you're right. I think there was that, was that, was that was, I'm trying to remember what year it was, but there was some groundbreaking headlines uh, that made the news that were sausages were as bad for you as smoking, um, where they'd taken some research into hyper-processed uh, meat products mm. and then distilled from that some nonsense. But actually, uh, you know, I mean, well-made, well, well home-cured, fermented charcuterie, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I struggle to see the issue with that bar making sure you keep an eye on your, it's your probiotic intake isn't it? they're probiotic yeah yeah and then um you know i i think it's just that we're in this endangered scenario of not knowing what we've given away uh ownership mm. uh, of our food to such an extent that we just expect people who are making billions of pounds a year out of it to look after us 
Mm. And that mm. abdication of responsibility is the single biggest motivator for poor animal welfare, mm. low food standards and exported poverty. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to steal your point. So uh, uh, so I'll back off. I'm backing off. I'm backing off. Eating Highly processed fire. food. OK, so we're going to press the button on that. Highly processed food. Let's do it. Bingo. There you go. It's gone. Highly. Oh. Is that what you want? Do you just want an end to all highly processed foods? Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. I like the concise and um, direct nature of that. So you yeah. can have it. It's in. It's your world to change. Uh, I must warn you, though, uh, that there is no uh, wishing for extra wishes in this scenario. You have only two points left to you. Okay. Um, although, admittedly, point one is pretty broad. Yeah. So, you know, you've, you've with one simple brush stroke, you've changed an awful lot there. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> okay well I've got my second point is kind of a little bit related I guess I realize now so so maybe I'm maybe I'm tying I'm doing the opposite I'm tying two points together um but my second wish would be that we didn't pretend that gluten-free food or gluten-free food was good for you um or all dairy-free food or all free from stuff is in you know it's not inherently gluten-free and that there's this kind of idea that somehow when things are free from or in fact and this is my biggest biggest thing that i get <laughs> angry about is sugar-free so people oh, say, yeah. oh, this is sugar free. I see that all over the Internet. And honestly, I get I have to, you know, you get rage and you want to make a comment. And I have to stop myself because I think this is not helping anyone. It's just no. expressing my rage. But yeah. sugar is sugar. And unless it's a, you know, unless it's another form of sugar, like a sweetener or stevia or that sort of thing. But sugar from a date is the same as sugar from a cane you know a sugar cane or a beet or whatever and the idea that if you sweeten your food with dates that you're somehow virtuous is just ridiculous because it's not true and obviously you know dates are unprocessed and so I'm a fan of them for that but uh the kind of message that's out there which is the date is not going to harm you in any way in in the way that the white sugar is it's just complete misinformation whoa <laughs> we've just we've just upset the entire internet yeah <laughs> I, I i think i think you're right i mean i'm going to try and try and argue with you I'm try and argue with you. It, if i use whole dates and blitz them into a pancake mix to make sweetened drops scones without any refined sugar in them, then I'm consuming whole fruit that has fiber in it. That's got to be better for me than a single tablespoon of demerara sugar going in there. You're right. I do agree with that, that, uh, that there is some fiber and there are some minerals and other nutrients that you'll find in dried fruit. Uh, not, I mean, mostly not for example, honey is often used as a kind of sugar-free thing, and and that very much is like syrup, and actually it contains huge amounts of fructose, and fructose is hard on your liver, and so it's mostly it's about amount, and so if you view the date and the honey as sugar, and and just feel like okay by using this type of sugar, I'm it's better, but it's still sugar, then I think that's a more balanced way to look at it, but. The, the message out there is not uh, that, that this, you know, this form of sugar is good and, and, and 
this other form of sugar is less good. It's that dates are the holy grail and, and you can use as much of them as you like, you know. If, you, if you've got dates and stuff. It's like when I'm doing product development again. If I put dates in something, they're like, oh, great, this is like guilt-free. I mean, guilt-free. Why are you feeling guilty about it? Don't eat it if you feel guilty about it. Do something else. Go for a run or, or you know, watch something. If you're feeling guilty, then probably you shouldn't be eating. Just eat with joy, people. Or you may have just been brought up Roman Catholic and you just feel guilty about everything. That's what happened to me. Yeah. But I won't bring, I, I won't drag yeah. religion into it. Um, so, okay, so so dates, I mean, apart from being a good thing from the date marketing board, I mean, they've, they've done a, a great job there. Okay. I suspect what happens is if you can buy a date puree by the IBC load, then you can you know that's that's an available product for a food manufacturer that's stable it's always yeah. it's often the similar price it's quite cheap it's easy to get hold of and you don't have to write sugar on your label exactly. and that's just a marketing tool so but i again i take you back to point one here this is willful complicity of i don't know if that's a word complicity did i make that <laughs> don't think it is complacency or complicity it's a complicity i'm going with complicity let's have complicity thank you for being my onboard pedant um, okay. so, pleasure uh, I, I think, you know, we've got to get a grip. These people, uh, I don't, I'm not suggesting some dark overlord out there, but their job is to market these products to us. They will make them sound as attractive and quasi-healthy as possible, right? Yeah. You know, ultimately, a bottle of wine is a fermented fruit-based drink, low in sugar. <laughs> exactly. You know, and they come in a portion-sized bottle, so that's yeah. handy. Uh, you know, I, what I'd be much more concerned about is whether there is sulphur on my dates before they're turned into my cake. There won't be sulphur on your dates. They, that's a really You only keep... sulphur fruits that you want them to keep the colour, and dates are already brown, <laughs> so they really? don't get sulphured. In fact, dates oh. don't really get mucked around with at all. Dates and raisins are reasonably... It's only the pale raisins that get sulphured. So dark okay. fruit is a kind of safe bet. Nice. Oh, well, that's a relief because I always worry about that. Um, I, once bought, I once bought some apricots that had sulfur on them and I was so alarmed by the colour of them um, that I couldn't eat them. They just didn't look real. It was like, if this had Haribo written on the front of it, I'd eat these. <laughs> and also, uh, they can really give you wind. Sulfur can can really interfere with some people's digestion. So Okay, okay. And then they just blame uh, no. the apricots instead of the sulfur. We don't want to. We don't want to hear about that. That's um, no, dangerously, close, dangerously close to um, bottom stories. Yes. Okay. Sorry, I'm full of. No, no, no. It's fine, it's fine. Just keep them back. So I want a. I want a. I want a title for point two, so that I can define it and squash it into a little. Into a little well, let's go for. I think refined sugar. So, uh, so let's say dates are not. Uh, no, so <laughs> dates are not sugar free. Okay, dates not, sugar, that sounds like the title of a book. Yeah, um, that's my they, that's my autobiography. <laughs> I, I, people keep refusing to ask me to write mine. It's really annoying. <laughs> oh, that's so frustrating. You need to get a bit older, I reckon. Well, there's there's every chance that I might manage another year or two. Yeah. Um, dates are not sugar free. Oh. That sounds like something some wise monk living on a hill would say. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, okay. well, I'll, I'll take that. Free, right? <laughs> I might get a T-shirt, and that might <laughs> actually assuage my my uh, internet rage if I can constantly remind myself. Okay, I know this. I'm I'm gently spreading it to the world. Can I put in brackets? Stop lying to people about what sugar is. 
Yes, thank you. Yeah. It'll take me a while to write, that's quite a long sentence. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. I've got it. Um, nice. Oh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Um, so your advice on sugar then is to just be aware of how much you're having and, and not have too much of it. Yeah, and, and if you can, make things from scratch because that then you... It's, I think seeing how much sugar you put in something is really good because you actually... Often you'll stop yourself. Or, I mean, apart from if you're someone who makes meringues and then you're obviously insane. <laughs> but um, but the, the whole kind of act of baking something for yourself and is, you know, there's a sensual experience and there's a, um, an, a whole experience, which is like a whole body experience that I think makes the eating of it more meaningful. Whereas if you just grab something, and I'm not talking about chocolate. I mean, I eat chocolate all the time. But you know, <laughs> in terms of like cakes or treats, that they should be treats. They shouldn't be for breakfast. And they should be to celebrate something or or eaten in a celebratory way. And I think that's what's happened. Modern life includes too many treats and that we need to find treats that aren't, you know, sugary. Treats well, that are yeah, going yeah. for a walk, or you know, calling someone up, or um, getting a massage, or whatever it is that 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 idea that your treats are all kind of, you know, I was going to say all oral, but that sounds like I'm veering down a wrong road again. But that your treats are all food based is maybe <laughs> not good. <laughs> okay. okay, okay, okay. Um, I'm going to move on. Wise, <laughs> it's wise. It's wise. Before I do, before I do, what's the exchange rate? How many slices of cake do I have to forego before I'm owed a massage? (laughs) (laughs) Well, none. I mean, that's the whole point. Is that we? I mean, it's it's a very kind of um, uh, Western idea, isn't it? That we don't take rest time. We don't take enough rest time. We don't look after ourselves enough, and and we're always saying, "Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm this, that, and the other." Instead of saying, you know what, today I baked myself a cake and I sat and ate it and then I got a massage. (laughs) You know, people would be like, oh, you're so self-indulgent. But actually, that might just be exactly what you needed to look after yourself. Well, to be honest, I'm self-indulgent anyway. You've got to poke me with a stick before I start to get going. Um, So (laughs) I'm I'm quite inclined to bake myself a cake, sit down and read a book. But um, that doesn't necessarily necessarily pay the mortgage never mind anyway um, but I have to say it gives you what you need in order to pay because I'm assuming you are managing to pay your mortgage uh well I think I've mentioned already that my wife has a really good job (laughs) (laughs) but you have to keep her in cake is that what you're saying I I don't know no I do bother my ass um to do some work as well uh mostly because I find it fulfilling these days uh and um I I like I like to create stuff, so that's quite nice. But anyway, this is not a podcast about me, even if I keep trying to turn it into one. So, um, point number two. Yeah, I would believe you me. If you listen to the back catalogue, you'll find out everything you need. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) dates are not sugar-free is point two. Brackets, stop lying about sugar. Yeah. So, my third thing that I would like to change is that there are not a, enough varieties of fruit and vegetables in the shops. And, yes. you know, when I was growing up, we had all sorts of different things, 
you know, black radishes and kohlrabi and things that I do see in the shops now, but um, only as kind of more exotic. They're, you know, they're exotic vegetables. And I just think it seems a shame that we've gone down this route of only having four apples and and the kind of the strawberries that we get in the summer being the ones that keep the best and and so I and it's such a joy isn't it when you um like I'm an apologist for Waitrose I'm afraid I'm always happy <laughs> just send more work my way but um but Waitrose are great at uh, at getting those little varieties in and like they they stock russet apples now which I love and haven't been able to find for years and that's what I grew up eating was these amazing russets you know and and so for me it's just that sense of uh I guess it, it kind of ties up with that over processing of food it's like the, the the way that farming has gone because it's not small farms and it's not we're not buying the local apples that grow in the orchards around us that there has to be this kind of monoculture aspect and that I really struggle with that and and I'm just always overjoyed when I find a different variety of something. Have you had a look at Dan Saladino's new book? Do you know I haven't? I love Dan, oh, okay. but um, okay. I haven't seen that. No, no, well, it's, it's very good. I, I've only read the first, I'm one of these, I pick up a new book and I've got piles of the bloody things around the house and I do read them all eventually. Yeah. I'm very excited when Dan's new book opened it up and I started reading, I got a chapter in, something happened, I wandered off and it's still sitting in the, kitchen, in, uh, in the, in the sitting room on the side, open to the sort of near the end of the introduction. And he opens with a, 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 a big story about how we've contracted the variety foodstuffs available and that we're eating a more and more limited diet than ever before whilst at the same time because of multiculturalism we're believing that we're eating a larger spectrum mm. of foods uh, and that this has led to all sorts of ills including you know um uh, lack of diversity on the planet extinction mm. of certain species yada yada and i'm like mm. well welcome to the party dan we've been talking about this for 20 years uh, <laughs> I, I expect people have been talking about it for a long time before I got involved with the conversation. So I mustn't start to, you know, use my own shifting baseline as a reason to be complacent. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of the book. And I just, it was really harmonizing with what you said there. So I just wondered if, if you'd come across that. And if you haven't, I, I, when I've read it, I'll post it to you so that you can have it. Oh, bless you. Well, I, I had, it's on my list of, of books to get, definitely. I mean, he, well, he's just a, a very interesting writer, isn't he? But also, there's that kind of um, it's almost like it, it uh, is part of food poverty that those of us that can that have the knowledge to forage and have the space to grow and have the time to go to farmers markets or get lovely veg boxes are able to get that diversity but people who are just going to tesco and and getting the the same carrots and the same you know one variety of whatever it is are are kind of stuck in that yeah in in, in a different kind of food poverty they're eating amounts of food but it's known that actually a lot of those over um uh, what's I can't think what the word is where where you um, modify over modified vegetables that that they are 
they're just grown for sweetness and, and size and that they lack all the nutrients, some of the nutrients, maybe the smaller nutrients. They've got all the big ones. They've got sugar and they've got you know carbohydrate and, and you know whatever else it is, but they don't have all these trace elements that come from being grown in a traditional way. And, and that's got to be part of that lack of diversity. All right, well, just for fun then, can you give me um, three vegetables that you'd like to see a greater variety of? Because I've, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write three down and, and see if they match yours. You can have fruit as well, okay? Okay. Um, well, that. I mean, apples, for sure. I would we've, like both to... got, we've both got apples. Yeah, yeah a greater di diversity of apples. I'm trying to think of things that there aren't already because some of the things I'm seeing more diversity in like you get different types of purple sprouting now and that's I don't know if that's you know you get some purple sprouting and you get some of that um, completely purple uh, broccoli and then you get some tender stem and I think oh that's the beginning or is it am I being fooled by the fact that it looks a bit different in it being different varieties anyway I would like to see different radishes uh, so Ooh, black, black radishes, uh, purple radishes, French radishes, you know, just not the little round pink ones all the time. Uh, oh, moolies, yeah. massive moolies. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh, radishes, radishes, when you can find them in the shop, it's sort of inter interred in a kind of upside down pyramid of cellophane death. And it's yes. like, there's nothing, nothing good about it's these anymore. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what have you done? I've written apples, I've written leeks. Oh, and I've written onions. I could probably put them together as alliums. I get a bit fed up. Alliums, with yeah. Varieties of garlic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would also go for berries, I guess, because yeah. if you think about all those berries that you grow yourself, um, things like gooseberries and black currants and red currants and white currants and mm -hmm. mulberries and all of those that are difficult, I guess maybe well, gooseberries and black currants shouldn't be difficult to um to sell but they but somehow they've fallen out haven't they they're things that everyone used to to get or or grow or get from someone yeah. local to them and now we don't i mean i because every summer i make um fermented gooseberries and i love them they're absolutely delicious they're really great with like um, mackerel or any kind of fish in fact um, my favorite thing is sourdough toast with um, smoked mackerel and these fermented gooseberries and butter obviously uh, and uh, but if I didn't grow them myself I think I would struggle to find them uh, and I do it as well with black currants and and again I grow my own black currants but they're just yeah they're, they're lacking those berries yeah yeah, the goosegogs, and you never see a jostaberry in the shop, will you? No, well, no, I don't think I ever have. Or mulberries. No. I mean, I know because mulberries collapse. You never, you'd never transport a mulberry, but you could have a mulberry syrup, couldn't yeah. you, or a, or a sort of frozen mulberry, mulberry. puree or something in yeah, the frozen yeah. section. I might suggest yeah. that to Waitrose. I bet they're already on it. <laughs> <laughs> possibly, possibly. If they do take it up, can I have my five percent on the commission, please? Certainly, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've cooked up some great ideas here on the madam's cast over the years and uh it would be um it would be shamefully remiss if we failed to capitalize on them at some Absolutely. point so, all right well i mean you know generally speaking i think you've made the, the world an awful lot of a better place uh to be um, oh. particularly for eating um you know 
I just I've I've found it all the way through very difficult to find anything to argue against you with there. I suppose if I was going to argue against variety for the supermarket shelves, I would have to use the their favourite tool at the moment, which is one that we gave them about uh, ten years ago, which is the tool of wastage. Yeah. And they'd say, "Well, I just creates too much wastage," and you know, then we get told off for having too much wastage. So it's much easier if you shut up, eat these things we've decided to eat. Delicious. Yeah. We get to eat, we get to make the most money, yeah. um, and I, I think variety is a great thing. But I want to hybridize your point and say greater variety, but not at the cost of greater Farmers. import. Yeah, yeah, it's not a greater import because already, I mean, I get I'm so excited these days that I can go into the supermarket in the UK in the winter and actually buy UK grown apples, which yes. 10 years ago you couldn't. Oh, they're um, all from New Zealand and South Africa. Incredible. But uh, Yeah, but a lot of them still are. Yeah. Um, and, and they're not telling me uh, that we can't be, you know, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't, <laughs> we, we need to be entirely food sovereign. But, uh, you know, I, I, the majority of the apples being English would be nice or British. But more, well, definitely also. more. I mean, interestingly, I wondered if it was, I mean, I am not a fan of Brexit. Let me be very clear about that. I very much, I'm, I'm so pleased that I have an Irish passport because it means that I am still a member of the European Union. And uh, But I did wonder whether one of the uh, outcomes of Brexit would be that we would be forced to eat more British food. But actually, I want, uh, now I worry that we might be forced to eat more food from further away and not from Europe. You know, that would be just the biggest irony, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, it's best not to open that particular no. can of worms. <laughs> I don't think. No, I mean, I try not to be political about yeah, it. Now, but yeah, yeah. I do think certainly variety in the, the, uh, the British produce that we have, that's got to be a good thing hasn't it the apples and the leeks and the uh, the radishes and, and all the stuff and it, variety in season might keep maybe people more interested I don't know yeah I think so and then they'd be reaching less for the processed food anyway because if here's one of my things if you go into the shop and you buy three little punnets of berries and you eat them and you think that was a joy you probably feel like you've had your treat that day already. And I'm not suggesting we can all live off punnets of berries. That's a disaster. But, it, it, you know, I think that is going to keep you away from the manufactured goods to some extent. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, look at that. Yeah, right. Please. I'm really sorry, Naomi. I'm really sorry because I'm going to have to now tear you away from this much improved world that you've built <laughs> for yourself and the rest of us and drag you back through the vortex, kicking and screaming into the current uh, world in which the podcast is is transmitted from um and so <clears throat> back there to soften the blow you get to have a little bit of fun at the end of the madam's cast because that's you know we've done a lot of really good virtuous work there um <laughs> you get you get to nominate somebody else to come on the madam's cast you get to choose a food book to take on uh, into a desert island type scenario with you and you also get to choose something to drink whilst you're perusing said food book excellent okay god do you know i thought about this food book and it's really hard everyone says that but you're not allowed to have a list of books <laughs> no, and i bet people do they go oh well if i could have i would have had this this and this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, look, and what i thought was what was one of the most influential books on me that I would kind of, if I took it back, it would 
remind me of the thing that excited me about food uh, and I'm, I'm so tempted to say the ones that I thought of, but I, I won't. There are many, but actually one of, or and this is kind of maybe a set of books, but is uh, Jane Grigson's um, Fruit and Vegetable books. Yeah. And that yeah. those books, I remember reading those when I was a teenager uh and when they probably just been written i think they were written in the 60s actually but um but that that they were so because i was just going out and picking stuff from the garden and going well, what should i make with this and i'd go and look up the section on you know mushrooms or whatever it was and yeah. there was that sense of i'm not going to follow a recipe book that says now you will cook this this and this i'm going to think about my ingredients and go to the book and say and what can i make with the ingredients i've got in front of me and and that was the way that i started to cook uh, and she had stuff that i'd never encountered and and have since obviously encountered but from my place in the commune where it, it was just what we grew and what we could order from Suma uh, that a lot of the stuff was, sounded incredibly exotic but a lot of it was just the vegetables that we had in front of us so that's what I would take. Well I have spent the best part of my professional career trying to reprogram chefs away from the model where they write a menu and then order the food into a menu into a model whereby they order the food and then allow it to become a brilliant menu yeah. um so i'm 100 with you on that and what it seems to me it doesn't matter how many episodes of the podcast i do more often than not i end up with a new book on my list that i need to go and buy which is uh. <laughs> quite annoying because i've not come across jane Grig i know who she is but i've not come across um, her fruit and veg books from the 60s so um. uh that's that's um that's the newly rebranded wob getting an order from me next week there you so go. Um, so I'm on to that. That's fine. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. Uh, that's great. What are you going to drink well, whilst you are reading that book, those books? Well, the thing that I actually drink most often is Roy Bosch tea. But if I had to pick one drink that would make me very happy, it would be mezcal. Uh, oh. so I would drink mezcal and that's pretty much, I don't drink much. I'm pretty much a lightweight in the alcohol stakes, but if I do drink, I drink mezcal. Okay. Now, so now is that made from agave? It's, uh, yes, it's made from agave. Uh, which blue, blue agave? Yeah, blue agave. And what they do, I mean, it's amazing it, because if you're drinking the proper artisanal stuff, not we're not talking no Jose Cuervo <laughs> with, <laughs> with the worm in. We're talking, it's made in small batches. It's very similar, if you like, to the kind of Islay whiskies and that sort of thing that are made in small batches in, in an artisanal way. And uh, it's they, they, the piña, which is um, the, the kind of, fruiting not the fruiting but the the kind of center body of the of the agave um it takes about 10 years to mature and then they harvest the the um piña and then they build a, a kind of fire like um you know if you put a, a whole animal in the ground and, and cook it uh, yes like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly how they do it and they pile them all up and then they cook them for days and all the inherent sweetness that um, is in the 
the piña is converted to fructose and so and then they ferment that and some of the mezcals they'll there's um one mezcal called pechuga where, which has they hang a, a chicken breast <laughs> a raw chicken breast in the thing and it gives it a kind of meaty farmyard flavor it's not my favorite i have to say i prefer the ones that have something called petrichor which is um you know the smell after rain smell after rain yeah i was going yeah, to say i know so what petrichor have is yeah. strong petrichor flavor and it's because they're um it's uh fermented in a clay pots and so it gets like and is it uh, beyond beyond the alcohol content is it is it psychoactive because people are always trying to tell me that mezcal is like off the charts in terms of like a potential no, no it's not that's because um that's mescaline and that's, yeah i was gonna say surely that's just because they've confused the word yeah that's mescaline from peyote which is a cactus yeah. um no so it doesn't it's just like sipping whiskey or something you know it's nice, uh, nice. Yeah, no, I, I, I would go for some that had mescaline in it as well but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay a bit of psychedelic <laughs> healing a bit of psychedelic healing okay right. well, that might be that might be another episode of the madam's cast yes uh, i think I think I think we probably won't branch off into um, into that. No, no, I keep feeling no, like I'm taking no. you down dark roads. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, you know, I'm not saying I'm close-minded to that. I think um, I think the benefits of a, a positive and well-managed, accompanied psychedelic journey for people in distress or struggling with yes. depression or any of the new research that's coming out on that. A hundred percent behind that microdosing for general mental yeah. health and well-being. If that's what you know, if that makes your life yeah. more endurable and more full of joy, without causing anyone any problems further down the line, yeah. you a hundred percent have my support on that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, no, let's not go down that road. But also, my vigorous exercise and cold water swimming first. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, maybe maybe let's try that or just, you know, just not getting so damn stressed about everything. Oh, um, easier said than done though, isn't it? I, I yeah, I don't know. I think um unplugging yourself from the marketing machine of the Megatron mm. world is a good way to go to start with. Just mm. get rid of some digital toxicity around you first and see whether or not you can find what you're actually worried about. Yeah, for sure. And listening to podcasts, you know, this year I've really found that podcasts are just such a soothing kind of company. You know, I listen to all sorts of things and just having people talking, there's something really, really nourishing about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, God, I can feel like we could probably spend another hour talking, but we're not going to. Um, <laughs> we both need to go and get on with our lives, but you are allowed to nominate or drop someone in it uh, and it's someone else for the podcast. Uh, as a future guest, they can be real, fictitious, alive, dead. Oh, God, uh, okay. Uh, they don't have to agree to come on. It's just oh, an idea. Is, I, you've d totally um, dropped me in it now because I haven't thought about this. What? Um, well, I'm just I'm just thinking of people that I love now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a great way. And uh, my, my intuition with this is to always just go with what your brain said to you at the beginning because generally it had a good reason for doing it yeah well do you know i actually i don't know if you've had him as a guest though it's mark diacono yeah guest number 
two, I think, okay. on the Madam's card. Just, you know but what? It's a good recommendation. Yes, that's who I would choose because Mark is one of those people who. What I mean, you you've noticed I like to talk, but when we get on the phone, oh my god, sometimes it's hours, and we keep and regularly we're saying we need to finish this conversation now, but there's just so much to him you know and he loves to talk so yeah uh, he would be my my um choice i guess because i think he is a good guest uh, no, i probably i probably uh, go for dustin hoffman then because <laughs> <laughs> okay. i think oh, i don't know what he'd say about food but he is he is a very funny man and we always say that my dad is a mashup of robert de niro and D- dustin hoffman Wow, your dad's a cool guy. Yeah, he is quite a cool dude, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I like that. Don't, I like don't that. get on his wrong side, because obviously he's got connections with the mafia. He's a bit badass, yeah. yeah. His things are likely to get complex. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Oh, Naomi, uh, you know, we've covered some pretty tough, deep, problematic subjects and you've done it with a really light hand and a, and a joyful edge to your um to your thoughts and your points so thank you I, I think that's fantastic thanks thanks so much for coming on i know My that pleasure. the listeners of the madam's cast will have been delighted having listened to this episode um and uh, i think we should before you go plug your podcast quickly um because it's also well worth a listen uh, oh. and i think it's called milk and honey no, it's called bread and milk. Oh, bread and milk! I yeah. see. I thought I've got bread and milk written down, and then I went, "No, it won't be bread and milk because of the gluten-free thing." Well, so that's the irony, isn't it? That I am all about bread, just not the bread with gluten in it. Uh, so, and if you can't believe that there could ever be amazing gluten-free bread, then you have to check out my Instagram because the there are pictures that prove otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. It looks better than my gluten bread. Um, and, uh, although I have to say, you've got um, I you know there's a contender out there. You must. I'm sure you've come across the lovely Noni Dwyer, who's also been on the pod um, and, and specialises in the same kind of area. Yes, of her stuff is beautiful. Well, she, yeah. her speciality is that kind of charcoal bread, isn't it? Which is amazing. Amazing stuff yeah. she makes. Amazing. Yeah. Um, luckily, she's on the other side of the planet, so she can't yes. interfere with what we're up to. Uh, so that's all right. Um, brilliant. Okay, well, look, Naomi, enjoy the rest of your day and I will be in touch soon and everyone let's just give Naomi a massive round of applause oh oh thanks oh it's a real pleasure thanks it's such a great format and you were a joy to talk to oh genius all right cheerio all right bye